That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Jake, we're headed to the end of August. Mm-hmm. Fall is around the corner, although most of our listeners probably live in places where it still feels pretty warm. We're headed back, though, into that busy season. But first, how are you? I'm good. You know, I love, uh, you know, I know that in Texas and places like that, school starts a lot earlier, like in August. We don't really start till September. Um, so right now is kind of the the height of a lot of people's summer vacation. So the city feels quiet and um, uh, the pastoral load's a little lighter. And it's really a great opportunity to get kind of your head around the life of the church and and around uh, what you want to like kind of preach and think about uh, this fall. So so it's a good time, but this is a, a continuation of our NAFTA episodes. I'm still in Mexico and uh, and uh, living the dream. And I'm still in Texas. About to have, well, you know. Which used to be part of Mexico. That's right. That's right. Santa Ana, just terrible, terrible leader and a bad idea. He should have let them have their own state and everything would have just been fine. So things would have yeah. been totally different maybe. Who knows? Doubt it. The CIA would have let so, that stay. But just a glimpse, listeners, into how Jake's mind works. <laughs> Never met a conspiracy theory he didn't like, or at least entertained for, right a, to it. for a second. Just <laughs> sounds plausible. All right. If there's smoke, it comes there's out of your low anthropology. <laughs> that's right. Or incense. It could be incense. Yeah, that's right. That's so, but, we um, well, uh, how are you doing, Aaron, there in Texas? You guys are getting ready to rev right up, I'm sure. Fall kickoff. Doing great, yeah. When people are listening to this episode, our kids will be back in school, and it will be, we'll be headed towards, yeah, our kickoff Sunday, and uh, we've already done Blessing of the Backpacks. We're headed into um, about a month or so away from stewardship season, and mm. All of that, all that good stuff. So, but right now, as you record in the early days of July, uh, I'm doing, doing all right. Good, good, uh, good. Getting ready to celebrate my 20th wedding anniversary. Wow. Excited about that. It's a milestone. That is, it's good. So, yeah. Uh, and um, that's that. You know, I, I will tell our listeners, we were just talking about, we want to record once you're back from Mexico and I'm done with my summer travels, which are coming up a little bit. Uh I'm going to that other great place that starts with an M, Michigan. Uh, we we right we're going to record. You lift um, up your hand and you're like, right here. Yeah, you can point. Yep, I'll show you. I'm right. It's over by the. I'm kind of on the side of the thumb. I don't want to. Uh, we will. Um, <laughs> we should record an episode about. Well, we've been receiving requests for like you know we did that Lenten live stream how to preach gospel focused sermons in Lent, but uh, we've gotten requests for. Uh, you know, just kind of the mechanics of preaching, how we prepare sermons, some other things like that. And also with Advent coming up, that might be another series. So, so stay we're, tuned. Kick, we're kicking around some ideas. So if you have some thoughts, uh, DM us on the Twitter, SOSMbird, um, or 
on Instagram. Those mm-hmm. are the two social media channels where we have uh, a profile. I'm not saying we tweet or post hardly ever, but we do check those. And by we, I mean me. <laughs> and uh, and I will reply and we'll see what we can do. So, Good. All right, moving on. Here we are on the 30,000th Sunday after Pentecost with uh, a lot more to go, but we're still in ordinary time. And today's readings, as we go through track two, are Isaiah 58, verse 9b. Don't go to A. 9b through verse 14. And then Hebrews 12, 18 through 29, continuing our Hebrews dive. Uh, And then, again, continuing the Gospel of Luke this week, chapter 13, verses Dies through Diecisiete, 10 to 17. That's for Jake, since he's in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but uh, your same old song co-hosts are both speakers of Espanol. Jake todavía está aprendiendo, pero yo hablo muy bien. <laughs> All right. Gracias. De nada, de nada. We should do, okay. we should do a special Isaiah... episode in Spanish. <laughs> sí, definitivamente. So. Totalmente en español. <laughs> So, and I'll wear a bee costume. So, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll talk like Senor Fuentes. Isn't that the guy? The guy with the the little puppets? Anyways. (laughs) I I used to love that show. So, anyway, but. (laughs) We can call it, we can call it, same old song, the Sabado Gigante edition. Uh, The Gordo y Flaca edition. So, Oh my gosh! Right, okay, so there's, I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole world we could explore. It would be amazing. Yeah, brand new listeners all over the place. Yeah, many people don't know that the one of my middle initials stands for Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. So I come by this honestly. Didn't lick it <laughs> off a rock, as Leander Harding said. All right, Isaiah 58. Jake, that was super white, but he did grow up in Arizona, so that's where he, he eight miles from the border. I know. So much, yeah. I was born in Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. so I feel like, you know, we're both basically inhabitants of what used to be Mexico. Yeah, definitely. In some Gadsden sense. Purchase. So, so um, there it is, baby. Anyway, let's go to Isaiah chapter 58. And let's do it. Let's get into this it. This is moving towards the end of the prophecy, Isaiah. And, uh, and God basically, um, I don't know, he seems to be giving Israel tidbits for life. You know, if you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the... F- then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday, etc., etc., etc. He's like, hey guys, have you ever thought about not being terrible to poor people? <laughs> yeah, right. Just an idea. <laughs> if you Just brainstorming. Tying this into the gospel, if you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day... If you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestors, Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Well, this uh, this seems like a, uh, a, a lot of uh, good advice, and indeed it is. Indeed it is. It's a lot of good insight. And if you do this, um, truly, uh, you shall uh, be the delight of the Lord. But there's just one problem. I mean, yeah, that we don't, <laughs> and we seem to not be able to do it. Uh, we, um, in this passage, 
God says, don't go your own way, but we are very much like Lindsey Buckingham on the Fleetwood Mac mm, album. Rumors, right. We go our own way all the time. And I think this passage makes it clear, like you do your, it makes it clear how sort of simple and easy in some respects it would be to follow God's law and how great it would be for everybody if we did. It would bring blessing, it would bring peace. I mean, it's this beautiful picture of ancient ruins being rebuilt and uh, uh, just being satisfied, a well-watered garden, a spring of water. I mean, it's just beautiful. But and uh, unfortunately, and many people do this, is they preach it as if it's something we could do. We preach it as if all people need to hear is that your life will be better if you stop binging on Netflix ice cream and alcohol or whatever. Your life will be better if you stop those self-loathing, self-destructive thought patterns that are just on a loop in your brain. Your life will be better if you um, uh, are more patient with your children instead of yelling at them all the time. And It's like yeah, we know all those things. So simply somebody standing up in a pulpit in an alb telling us is not going to make it any different. But many preachers think that we do. All we need to do is just just remind people to be good and things will turn out great. Um, and that's all they need. Um, so this passage is a beautiful portrayal of the holiness and goodness of God's law. But it does, as you say, Jake, have this one little problem is that we seem to not be able to do it and so and it you know Isaiah it doesn't work for the people he talks to um, so it's it's a good depiction of the law it is true if we did mm-hmm. these things and to the extent that God does give us by his grace in the Holy Spirit to do these things beautiful things do happen and, but it's not quite as simple as just do this and indeed um, indeed all of these things ultimately find their fulfillment in the true Israel the Israel of God the one who did and uh, you know who did remove the yoke from among us and gave us his yoke, which is easy and light, uh, took the accusations of the law and put them on himself, uh, speaking no evil, uh, fed the 5,000 in the wilderness, satisfied the needs of the afflicted by healing them. Uh, And indeed his light has uh, risen in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And his gloom is like the noonday, bringing refreshing light to the dark areas of our life. And uh, indeed, his, because of his death and resurrection, has promised a heavenly city, uh, which uh, uh, foundations cannot be shaken. But all of this ultimately finds its uh, fulfillment in Jesus' work for you. And because of Jesus, you are a part of God's people who do this as well. But this time, not trying to get anything from God, because God has given you everything uh, in his gospel, but as a gifted response, a fruit as opposed to a work for the sake of your neighbor. Jake, that is real good. That Christological turn, let me just say, that was mm, chef's kiss. That's, that's some good stuff. I'm well, serious. Thank you. All I right. could have gone on. Yeah, but, no problem. Know, I know. It's a 30-minute well, show. You are a preacher. Anyway, but I mean, we're never, <laughs> we're never at a loss for stop, words. Stop, stop, So yeah. anyway. Um, uh, All right, Hebrews 12. Yes. You have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet, etc. Um, instead, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And uh, so we got these two mountains, uh, something that, something that, one that can't be touched. And if you touch it, it's like touching the third rail. It's like touching the electrified fence uh, versus... Uh, something that seemingly is great, that is touchable. Um, and 
what is this about these two mountains, Jake? Well, I think uh, so. Uh, a couple of things, and uh, first is is that the context, what's going on here, and uh, so the the book of Hebrews is a sermon written to people who um, are being tempted to go back to Judaism, being tempted to go back to uh, the law. And, uh, and what is happening here is, is what, that the point that the author of Hebrews is making right here is uh, what's happening is so like, you know, Bill is going to church, this small little house church here in Jerusalem, and his parents are like, really, that's it? Uh, you know, uh, you're just going and having a little bread and wine and, uh, you know, and listening to some dude expound on Jesus out of Isaiah, you know, that's it? And, you know, and, and on one level, this particular chapter actually argues for an earlier dating of Hebrews. Not that you want to talk about that. That's kind of a snooze in the sermon. But it is interesting because, you know, Jewish religion in this time is very tangible if you have the temple there. There's blood, there's yeah. smoke, there's fire, there's all sorts of things. There's ritual, men dressed in vestments, um, cooler vestments than you and I wear. And people are saying, mm-hmm. is that it? You're just gathering around a little table. Is that that's all, that all it takes? And so people are being tempted to go back. And what he's saying is, is like he's like, listen, man, this is bigger than something you can touch. You know what I mean? And these guys, when they saw it, they trembled with fear. Like this wasn't, this wasn't, a, like if you read uh, the book of Exodus, if you read the book of Deuteronomy, when the people of Israel encountered God, it was a terrifying, terrifying thing. This is Mount Sinai, the place of the law. And in, 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 in the Old Testament, Sinai is always contrasted with Zion, a place of peace. And what the author of Hebrews is saying here is, yes, around this little table with word and sacrament, you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, a heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. We join our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. You've come to a better place uh, uh, where you're engaged not in, with the mediator of an old covenant, but with the mediator of a new covenant who says your sins are forgiven and sprinkled with a blood that's better word than the blood of Abel, which demands revenge. Our, scree- our cry now is, Alleluia, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. This is a much better place. Do not go back to the works of the law. You know, stay with the gospel uh, where Christ has brought you by the power of his spirit. That's right, and so the this this passage, uh, it's one of the best ones in all of Scripture mm. to contrast uh, what makes Christianity so wonderful and unique compared to other ways of yeah thinking about our relationship with the divine. Um, the, there's there's a way to do it that is fear based, and there's a way to do it that is um, and what Christ offers, which is. Um, running we can run we can approach boldly the throne of grace i mean think about um how you would feel approaching captain von trapp at the beginning of the sound of music versus how you would feel approaching him at the end if you're one of his you know 15 children so mm-hmm. at the beginning he's blowing that whistle and each one of, each child has his own little like call to the you know that little military whistle that he blows and they have to like hear their sound and say their name and it's 
like they're terrified of him because he's this stern uh, disciplinarian who's angry all the time because he has unresolved grief issues. Yeah. But uh, but the end, he turns into this loving, doting father, and they they just flock to him. And so the old mountain in this kind of allegory is a god that's based on fear Mm. and they're afraid of upsetting him and it's kind of punishment and fire like not even animal can touch this mountain on which god appears because the animal will turn into toast um and uh uh um, versus this other mountain where you can run and play and it's it's just great party in heaven and, and all that so so or, uh, it's like how do you how do you come home after you've gotten in trouble after you've wrecked the car who's <laughs> what are you going to receive are you going to get angry dad or are you going to get a father who's loving and forgives mm. you and right get be rod rosenblatt's dad in yeah. your story and that's what this is saying um we've come to this new and better covenant that is um yeah that is uh one of grace another great illustration for that is uh george banks uh, the father yes. and Mary Poppins, you know, super stern. And then at the end, he's been, you know, th- there's this transformation. But he is, at he's the end, uh, there's uh, Mount Zion, uh, Zion, and he's like, let's go fly a kite. And so, um, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, which dad do you want to encounter is the question um, the author of Hebrews is saying. so. And it's important to note that we are not... Marcionites, we are not no. Jake and I heretics, at least about this issue, and we're not saying that there's like the mean Old Testament God and then the nice New Testament God. That's not that we have. There's one God revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the experience, but revelation is something that happened progressively over time, and this is talking about both the experience of the people of Israel. There was a mountain, there was fire and judgment, and that is part of the mystery of God's character. Um, uh, so this is not God changing his mind. This is not two different gods. This We're not saying you got to check the Old Testament or anything. But we're saying that, um, uh, and also the way, the way Israelite worship was experienced in the first century at the time of Jesus before the destruction of the temple was, you could draw a direct line to sort of that, um, that understanding of Yahweh, uh, which um, as people experienced it as it was practiced, and Jesus spent a lot of time talking about this, it was kind of a fear-based, um, guilt-laden experience. As many Christians who, we have this idea that God is a gracious God, and we often, however, Christian preachers, Christian churches, turn it into a religion of fear mm. um, and and make people very anxious and very yeah. feeling very kind of guilt-ridden and all that. Yeah, so, what we do so is, again... What we do is we cause them to curve in on themselves, and that is a perfect segue right. to Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, where uh, yes. Jesus uh, uh, encounters a woman on the Sabbath in the synagogue who, as Luke says has a spirit that has crippled her for 18 years. She's bent over and was unable to straighten up. Now, this is very important because a lot of people will say, you know, maybe she had a calcium deficiency or anything, you know, uh, you know, some sort of arthritic condition. But no, uh, Luke, and remember he was a physician, he uh, articulates that this is a spirit that has crippled her. And uh, really, uh, Luther, he talks about this in his commentary on this text. He says that this is an illustration of all of us, uh, all of humanity, um, crippled and curved inward because of the burdens of life, the burdens of religion, the burdens of, uh, of um, expectation. 
Um, and uh, so she becomes powerfully an illustration of all of us, unable to see clearly Christ in our very midst, freeing and saving us. And what we see, what we see in this passage too, and is that comes Jesus directly. Being... That comes directly as well from churches that 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 preach expectation and get your act together and yeah. behavior modification and you know uh, you better be on the right side of justice and all of these things. I mean, it becomes this crippling expectation of the law, and the law is fluid and will always find a way to accuse and cripple you. Yep, and uh, you and I both, Jake, in our churches, I think, have people that are coming um, out of sort of out of recovery from a judgment-based religion mm-hmm. and judgment-based churches and, um, and are yours, set free by this yours message is, of grace. Yours is kind of the Baptistic tradition and mine's the mainline. You know, I mean, people are yeah. kind of like burdened by this stuff. And uh, it yeah. is, it's crippling uh, behavior modification and, you know, trying to usher in and change the world by bringing in the kingdom of God. We don't bring in the kingdom of God. We proclaim the kingdom of God. Yep. Jesus has already brought the kingdom near. So, uh, the thing that I love about this passage is how Jesus is so intentional. She doesn't come for healing. She has just come to the synagogue because she's just doing what she needs to do as a good daughter of Israel. Um, And Jesus sees her. He calls her. He sets her free. He lays hands on her to heal her, and she stands up straight and praises God. She has... She did not prepare her heart. She did not come seeking healing. She didn't go up to Jesus and grab the hem of his garment. It's, it's Jesus taking the initiative every single step of the way and um, and doing it in such a way to break the Sabbath, to fly in the face of convention when he touches her, a man touches a woman, and also she's, um, she's unclean by virtue of her ailment. Um, so he he breaks the rules and he doesn't do it in secret. He does it in the place where he's most clearly going to be seen breaking the rules. He, it's like he wants to get caught. It's like knowing that there's a speed trap. Um, there's a town uh, not far from Waco, Texas, where there's, there's always a speed trap and everybody just hits the brakes when they go through. And you can always tell when there's an out-of-towner or somebody with New Jersey plates. They just fly through there and they always get pulled over. But this is what Jesus does. It's like he, he, he sees the speed trap ahead of him and he hits the accelerator. He speeds up so that he will get pulled over. He, he does this intentionally to be caught in front of everybody. He, he knows it's a Sabbath. He's in the synagogue. Mm. He heals this woman. He touches her, um, touches the unclean, all of that. And he, and he provokes a response. Yeah, and the, um, and the response is very powerful. I mean, it's, it, it, the, the Pharisees come right at him. They say, you know, how dare you? There are six days on which, uh, which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath. And it's very interesting because, you know, uh, when you think that you are doing the law, and these, these men are crippled by their own piety. That's, that's what's being illustrated here. They are crooked as well. They think they're upright, but they've been crooked by their, they've been hunched over by their own piety. But when you've been hunched over by your own piety, you'll notice you cannot stand it when someone else gets away with something. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. cannot stand it uh, if someone gets more than you or gets, you know, a, well, never less than you, but definitely because you think you deserve more. But uh, you can't stand it if someone gets more than you. I remember, you know, when I was a youth minister and there were always a few people on cleanup day that just showed up for the pizza party. 
And I would get livid about that. You know, I was like, dude, <laughs> they don't deserve pizza. And, uh, um, and uh, um, you know, but this is, this is the calling out. And Jesus calls them right out because he says to them, you know, which one of you, if your ox or donkey wasn't in trouble, you wouldn't go save it? Well, of course they all would. As a matter of fact, that's the one permissible thing on the Sabbath, that they had put in a loophole into it. And, you know, and this is the thing, real freedom comes that when you go before the law, uh, and this is why Jesus can heal on the Sabbath, because he's the fulfillment of the law. He actually, in him, is our Sabbath rest. But what you begin to realize is, is that before the law, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so this is why uh, uh, in Christ, as Paul writes in Galatians, there's real freedom. In Romans, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, because in Jesus, Jesus is, you, you, if you want to do the measuring game, you're always going to fall up short. Uh, you know, the, the best hands you're going to have is a pair of twos going against the house. You will lose every time. And, uh, but in Christ, you have a royal flush every single time. So uh, this is the big thing. And this is where actually freedom is found, and this is where children of Abraham begin to be free because faith is created in their hearts. And like our first father Abraham, uh, we believe what God has said. You've been freed, and it's credited to us as righteousness. Amen. I just had a flashback to playing poker with you in seminary, <laughs> and I could never keep a. I could never remember like all the different hands. I was not a good poker player, uh, but thankfully the Lord has set me free. Oh, I know. I took uh, a lot of your so money. Not only do I have a twos, I don't just, even like. I'm like, is this a flush? Is this a? What'd you say? Oh, I took a lot of your money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's right. Man, those. It's. it's anyways, I think one of the final things just for our preachers, both to hear this as a Christian yourself and then to proclaim this to your congregation, this passage shows the heart of Jesus and how he sees us, which is he sees us as people who are bound and he wants to set us free. So I have a hunch, preachers who are listening, that you are bound and you there's some part of your life where you, and I don't, I'm not having some sort of, I don't have a word from the Lord, I just know human beings and there's probably something in your life where you are bound and you need some help, and Jesus has come to set you free yeah. from that. And you know exactly what that place is, and Jesus sees that place that you have hidden, that you don't want anybody to see, and he wants to set you free from that with his healing, uh, liberating, uh, forgiving touch. And that's what he wants you to proclaim to the congregation. And what's beautiful about this passage to me is that it happens in the church, in the synagogue, in the place of worship. And you're going to be preaching this passage, if this is the one you preach on, in a place of worship where everybody there is in some way hunched over, turned in on themselves, bound by something they cannot control. And it is your calling to proclaim to them the same thing that has been proclaimed to you, which is uh, you are set free from your yeah. bondage. Uh, woman, you are set free from your ailment. Man, you are set free from your ailment. Person, you are set free from your ailment. Um, this is what Jesus comes to do yeah. and to proclaim today. That's um, good. And, and uh, by grace. So make sure you do and that. by grace, yeah, he makes us all upright. Uh, you know, yeah. everybody coming in there, even you preacher, you're coming into that church curved inward, but you've been made up upright. And you've been made upright for one reason, and that's not to continue in the law, because that's what we tend to do, but to continue to behold everlasting life. All of it mm -hmm. in the crucified and risen Lord given to you. And like those people in that synagogue, when you give that to your people, uh, they'll sing the praises of his mighty deeds as well. 
Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Samuel Song, episode 205. And we'll see you again next week as we dive into the readings for the um, 60th Sunday after yeah. Pentecost. Next week's a big episode, everybody. It's our 206th. Hey-o! <laughs> we'll see that you next week. Every day. All right, bye. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll.